Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Today, we're talking about worry. We are talking about worry, and I have done more work on worry in the last year and change than probably in my entire life combined. I actually set out to really kind of study worry and alternatives to worry, strategies to overcome it, because it's exhausting. Anybody feel me on that? Honestly, it doesn't matter if you're worried about getting in a car accident, confession. I have been, and I'm working on being better, a terrible side seat driver for as long as I can remember. I like to say I got it from my mom. I got it from practice is the God's honest truth. But like when Chris drives, and he's given me no reason to have a validated fear. He hasn't been in an accident. I haven't been in an accident when I've been with him. And yet, I've been the girl who grips onto the side or to the, they call it the oh shit handle, you know, like where you are supposed to be able to hang coats or whatever. Pretty sure nobody hangs coats in their front seat. That's totally for like grabbing on when you're scared. It's worry. Worry. It doesn't mean that there's a a valid reason. And honestly, it doesn't mean that there's not a valid reason. I have, the reason I say I've I've worked on this more in the last year or so than ever before in my life is I've had big, huge, valid reasons to worry. Most of you guys know the the shtick. I was pregnant in 2019 into 2020 with my first child, healthy pregnancy, spiked a fever in labor ended up having an emergency C-section. The doctors were concerned about me, not about our baby. She was fine. She was healthy. All of her tests came back normal. They ran extra tests because of my fever to make sure she didn't have some kind of bacterial infection. Nothing at all. And then when she was 14 days old, she died suddenly. And six months to the day she was born, I found out I was pregnant again. Hello, worry. Even before I found out I was pregnant again, I worried about whether or not we would get pregnant again. I worried about if I would ever laugh again, if I would ever want to live again. All of these things, it's very valid. I'm not here to suggest that your worries aren't rooted in something that is real. Because most of the time, they are. Or at, at, at least you are convinced they are. Here's what has helped me tremendously with worry. Are you ready? Worry is a form of control. 
It's a form of you trying to control things. And like I'm not saying your worry isn't validated, I'm not saying control isn't good. I like to be in control and I'm cool with that. I'm not looking to change that. But there's a healthy relationship with control. Truth be told, I would rather be in control of the car than Chris be in control of the car, even though I don't like driving. It's a control thing. And the worry comes because I don't have control. I don't have control over the other drivers. I don't have control over Chris. That's the same thing when when I worried about whether or not we would be able to get pregnant again. Whether or not my next baby would be okay, would be healthy, would be, would be safe. I would be able to keep the baby healthy and safe. I felt like I didn't have control over those things. Worry is a form of control. And I hear worries on all, all of the spectrums, right? Worried that there won't be enough money. Worried that there won't be enough time. Worried that this time will be like the last time. Worried that you won't follow through. Worried that you'll do the work, but then you'll fall back to your old ways and you'll undo everything you worked so hard for. Worried that it won't work. Worried that you won't work. Worried that it'll be a waste of money. All of that is a form of trying to control things. The beautiful thing is, most of the time, when we have control over something and we're worried, we're not taking control. I want to say that again. When we worry, worry being a form of control, over something that we do influence, most of the time, Though we have control over the outcome, we are not taking control of the outcome, and that is why we worry. Think back to the conversation a couple weeks ago that I aired with Kelly Brock about making big, scary changes, and if you have not listened to that episode, you definitely want to go back and do so. Make yourself a note right now. One of the things we talked about when making big, scary changes is the fear, kind of you can use that in this, in this situation interchangeably with worry feeling worried, feeling afraid that the money won't be there. Kelly said, you know, what if I lost my house and I couldn't pay my mortgage, right? And I said the same thing, like what if the money dried up and and we weren't able to, to meet our needs, to pay our bills? In that case, that worry is something over which I have and you have a tremendous amount of control. But when we are using our energy for worry, we are not using our energy to influence the outcome that we want. And if we did that, we would eliminate the worry. Now, a lot of things we worry about are things that are outside of our control, and we want them inside of our control, but all the worry in the world isn't going to change that. And for me, just the knowing this is me wanting to be in control of this, and I can't be in control of this. This is out of my control. Really, really helps. All throughout my pregnancy, my second pregnancy, I worried. And most of it was outside of my control. Things I could control, like keeping my stress down. I tried to do my best there, and eating well, and working out, and and getting the best doctors, and getting second opinions, and all of this kind of stuff, talking to experts in all of these different areas. I did those things, but beyond that, there's a practice of surrender. I can't control everything, and in this moment, 
I'm going to accept that. I don't have to like it. I don't have to wish it was that way. But in this moment, I'm going to accept that this piece is outside of my control. When it is inside of my control, I'm going to stop using my precious time and energy on the worry stuff, and I'm going to get my butt into action. But I originally shared this notion that worry is a form of control in a, I don't know, I think it was February, late February, early March daily mindset upgrade, which are now paused for maternity leave. But I shared that as at that point, I was towards the end of my, my second pregnancy, and I really had to use this mindset upgrade that worry is an attempt to control things. And so if it's control that I'm after, is control of this thing available to me? And if so, get to darn work. And if not, can I practice? Doesn't mean I'm good at it. Doesn't mean I've nailed it. Doesn't mean it's effortless. Doesn't mean it comes naturally. Can I practice surrendering it? Because no matter how much I want control, if it's something that's outside of my control, I'm just making myself crazy. Because all the worry in the world isn't going to put something outside of my control inside of my control. Can I practice surrender? What I found out about myself is I had almost no practice in surrendering things. Whether that means surrendering it to God, surrendering it to the universe, or just accepting that this thing is out of your hands and the only thing at this point, once you realize that it, it's something outside of your control, the only thing that you are doing is manufacturing stress, and chances are that makes things worse. So if I want a positive outcome and I acknowledge that worry makes it worse, what am I doing? You know, I mean, it's a silly example, but when I jump in the car and I grab the edge of the window, that actually makes things worse because it spooks Chris and makes him think that something's wrong, right? So if I'm worried that we're not safe and then I'm reacting in a way that makes us less safe, come on now. Can I just give this drive to Chris? It is a practice. And I look for those little opportunities to practice. It is a lot easier to practice trusting Chris, trusting God, when he's driving. He's a good driver, don't get me wrong. This is 100% me and 0% him. It's a lot easier to practice that in the car. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him fully in this drive than it is to practice with something that's a lot heavier, that's a lot more difficult. The other thing that I remind myself when I turn to this mindset upgrade that worry is an attempt to control things, I don't want to control everything. I mean, if you think about it quickly, like, sure, I'd love to be able to control everything. But if you give it a little more thought, that would be exhausting. That would be a burden too great to bear. And I don't want it. I don't want to live that way that like everything falls on me and I am responsible for the outcome of absolutely everything that happens. Oh my goodness. No, thank you. But I act like that's the way I want things to be when I respond with worry to things that are outside of my control. So I come back to this, thank God I don't control everything. Because if I did, I would mess up way more. 
you know, whether it's because I didn't know something or I made a mistake or I wasn't paying attention or I just made a bad decision or all of the above. If I controlled every outcome, just the rate of mistakes that I make, I would have way more problems in my life. So I'm so grateful that I don't control everything. And then sometimes I can, with that perspective, have a sense of gratitude for the things that I don't control. Oh, this one's not on me. This one's not on me. Maybe this one's on fate or it's on God or it's on somebody else. Or I don't know who it's up to, but this one's not on me. There's enough that's on me that I still need to emphasize, that I need to focus on, and I need all the energy and attention that I can get to optimize the things that are in my control. Because look, guys, we've got plenty that we do control. So much of our health we control. So much of our mindset we control. Our effort we control. Our focus we control. That's, that's plenty of work, right? And that's the other thing that I, that I remind myself of when I have these moments of worry. If this one is outside of my control, there's more than enough that's inside of my control that still needs my work. In fact, that could use my work and my attention and my effort and my energy right now. So how about we shift there? How about we shift there? The other thing, and I actually write about this at length in my next book, which hopefully will be able to be in your hands this fall, but I'll keep you updated about that. Something I wrote about a lot in this upcoming book is that these things are a focus before they're a feeling. So worry is a focus before it's a feeling. Overwhelm is a focus before it's a feeling. Stress is a focus before it's a feeling. The feeling flows from what you are focused on. So using that very simple example of me in the car with Chris. If I focus on how close, so there's this bridge that you have to go, well, there's two bridges you can go over to get to where we live on Cape Cod. You can't get on Cape without going over the bridge. And there's no um, shoulder to the road. It's literally just this like big, tall-ish barrier, much taller than a curb. If I focus on how close it seems we are to that big giant thing of concrete, it is that focus that leads to the feeling of worry. But if I had a different focus, I would feel a different feeling. If I was instead focused on Pinterest or Instagram or singing along to the radio or how many thousands of times we've gone over this bridge perfectly safely, or the hundreds of millions of other cars that have gone over, I would have a different feeling. It is a focus before it's a feeling. Same thing in my pregnancy. If my focus was on, what if something bad happens? What if this? What if that? The, the worry, the feeling comes from that focus. But if my focus is I'm so grateful that right now everything's fine. I'm so grateful that I have excellent medical care. I'm so grateful that we know so much more now than we did a year ago. I'm so grateful to be pregnant. That different focus generates a different feeling. It is a focus before it is a feeling. I practice this again, just like I practice the worry thing in the car. I practice this in the small moments. So maybe I'm laying in bed at night and I hear something outside. We live near a... Um, a military base. And so maybe it's like a gunshot. If my focus is on 
where did that gunshot come from? Did Chris hear it? Should I, should I make sure that he heard it? Should I wake him up? Should we do something? Should we check on it? That is a focus before fear is a feeling. Fear is only a feeling because of the focus generating that fear. If my focus is on how good it feels to be in bed, how grateful I am that we're safe. If my focus is on uh, some comedy show that's on the TV when I heard the gunshot or whatever, like I'm focused on something else, I'm going to feel something else. And that is true with worry. That was one of the most profound things that I practiced in my pregnancy, even not even in my pregnancy, even in grief after the loss of Dagny. And it's something I still practice. I love thinking about her and I'm not trying to eliminate or avoid the the painful memories, the memories of her last 24 hours, of her last 12 hours, of her last 12 minutes or anything. But if I don't want to feel a certain way, I check my focus. The other day, I was sitting on the couch and I kind of had a breakdown um, about Dagny. And it just hit me so hard. And at first, I let it be there. And I, and I told myself it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to cry and it's okay for this to be painful and it'll be painful for the rest of your life. And then after a couple of hours, I was still in that really heavy place. And I thought to myself, I don't, I don't want to feel this way all day. It's exhausting. I'm tired. I'm physically tired from this emotion. And so I reminded myself, it's a focus before it's a feeling. So I can absolutely choose to continue to focus on the sad moments and the difficult things and the pain and the loss and the missing her and the wishing things were different. But if I change my focus, I'm going to change how I feel. And so in that moment, I went to my favorite part of the house that just, I, I love the, the view from this particular part of the house. And, and I just looked at all that we have and all that we've created in this home and what we've built for our family out really from the ashes, truly from the ashes. And I had a very different feeling. I had gratitude and I had peace because it is a focus before it is a feeling. Worry is a focus before it's a feeling. And for most, most worry, if not all, comes from a desire to control. And I am not here to suggest that the desire to control is wrong. What I am here to suggest is that there's other ways to view it. For example, being grateful that some things are just not yours to control. Another way to see it is to give your energy to the things that you can control, that you can influence, get to work creating the outcome you want instead of worrying that it's not going to turn out that way, that there's other ways to use your energy and your time. It's not that one perspective is wrong and the other is right. It's that there's always more than one perspective and we want to invite more. It's a focus before it's a feeling. And for all of this, guys, it's a practice. It is one thing for you to hear me say this and go, huh, that's a really helpful way to think about worry, which is what somebody told me recently. I never thought about it that way. And it's been a big struggle for me. And I think this will help a lot. It's one thing to hear it and be like, I like that. But honestly, for it to really make a difference in your day, to make a difference in your life, to make a difference in the way that you think, 
you have to practice it. And you don't have to begin by practicing it on the big scary thing like fearing that your cancer is going to return or feeling that your parents are going to die or anything like that. You can, you can certainly start practicing there. But you can also start practicing when you're worried in the car or when you're worried about how you're going to pay an unexpected bill that came through or when you're worried about what somebody's going to think of your email response or your outfit. Start to practice on the things that are, that are smaller. And here's the other thing. Oftentimes, the things that are smaller are more frequent. You know, there's like 100 little worries in a day and maybe two or three big ones. So start practicing on the little ones. It's going to be easier to redirect your thoughts than in these big worries. But ultimately, for this to make an impact, it has to be a practice. And it's not a practice where like you one day are like, oh, I've nailed it. Worry is not an issue for me. Maybe that will be your experience. But for me, I can tell you, this is something I'll work on for the rest of my life. The redirects just get faster and easier and more natural, more comfortable. They take less effort. They start to be more automatic. And then the little things don't really fluster you at all. It's just the big ones you're still practicing with or the little ones you're able to turn around a lot faster. The big ones still take a little bit more effort. But it's a practice. Worry stems from a desire to control. And there's more perspectives than the perspective of worry. There's more perspectives than the desire to control every outcome. And before it is a feeling, it is a focus. Before it is a feeling, it is a focus. And we can always change our focus. I hope this was helpful, you guys. I'll talk to you really soon. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn. Our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform.